What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Extra Point Podcast, presented by Bleacher Fan Sports. We have Jones and Sully, the dynamic duo, going at it again this week. Uh, lots to talk about with the start of college basketball last night. Um, some managerial news in baseball, and some updates on on the NBA, and of course the uh, our Bleacher Bets Week Ten NFL picks. Uh, so let's hop right into it with the the start of college basketball last night. Um, it was quite the game, not or quite the games, I should say. We had the tournament of champions with the one number one, two, three, and four teams in the country, uh, with Duke taking on Kansas and Michigan State taking on Kentucky. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better opening night, uh, in my opinion. Two close games of the four best teams in the country. Uh, great way to kick it off. Um, the freshmen debuted a lot last night, across even outside of those four games. Um, so. What uh, out of the freshmen? I think we have we had five freshmen, five or six freshmen that really uh, show they can play, and I think this is going to be one of the best freshman classes we've seen in a while. Uh, judging by the performances we saw last night, uh, Wiseman. I mean, I know he played their scrub team, but he's going to be a problem. He looks like DeAndre Ayton, but better. Now, do we think it's better than last year's class? No, right? Yeah, probably not. Uh, maybe, maybe. On the whole, yeah, but at the top, no. There just isn't – there isn't that, like, you know, R.J. Barrett and, and Zion really, like, took over college basketball. Um, and there might not be a guy like that. I mean, Wiseman could be that, but he plays in a different position. So it's uh, it's kind of different. But to me, you know, watching Wiseman, he just looks like a – he looks like a more athletic version of Aiton, and that's scary. If he if yeah. he plays like he if he continues doing what he did last night he's gonna he's gonna walk into the number one pick it's not even gonna be a conversation by by tournament time but I will say I talk about this like people get in college basketball now because in March when you're when you're filling out your brackets when you're trying to make money on the tournament betting on the tournament your conference tournaments you're gonna be wondering you're gonna be sitting there and like. <laughs> hey, uh, do I know anything about these teams? Like, who's their star players? What do they do well? What do they do bad? Like, I, I'm an idiot. I started watching college basketball two days ago. You know, like, that's the type of thing. And I, I you know, at least watch the good teams. That's my my advice. That's my, my thinking. Yeah. You don't want right. to be picking teams off of mascots and... Uh, exactly, and favorite colors and shit. The 12s upset the 5s. Yeah, don't, so. don't be Alice from accounting. Yeah, don't don't be Alice. Don't you know? Don't have four one seeds in the uh, the finals. But uh, yeah, I mean, it can be a little tough to get into it uh, early in the season because there's a lot of blow up matchups. Like my uh, Nova destroyed uh, slaughtered Army. I mean, I turned it on for ten fifteen minutes. Um, you know, saw this kid Earl Robinson or no Robin Robinson Earl. He he killed it. Um, Twenty four on nine of fourteen shooting. Really pumped. He was the number 14 recruit. Um, you know, our top recruit last year, Jay Wright barely played him, and he didn't work hard, and he transferred already. So, um, Yeah, Quinterly you know. was going to be incredible. I was I was upset to see him him transfer. Where'd he go again? I don't I even remember. know, but it, was I, like, it wasn't. 
He was supposed it, to be like a showstopper. For it wasn't. It wasn't a top school. I don't think. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm gonna look it up right now. Um. And he, he was just so classless. He was talking shit on social media. Oh, he plays for Alabama. Uh, he went to play for Avery Johnson. Alabama. All right. I mean, Avery's a great coach. Um, don't know if he's better than Jay Wright, but he's a very good coach. A guy I like. Um, I wonder how much money he got for going there. Yeah, he he had to have because that's a huge. That's a huge. I mean, Alabama has a up and coming program. I guess you could say they. You know, they got Sexton came from there, and you know they, they have paid some, for Sexton. He was already in that report. What they say, yes. they paid fifty grand for Sexton or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely worth it for them. Yeah. Um. So you know, got them to what they win it. They won. A, they won one game, right? Yeah. The, yeah, they, so, and they did they win the conference tournament too? Did they? they no, they didn't. They, they, they lost to Kentucky. They but they made the finals, right? They they made some run. I remember Sexton uh, had a did, couple they, of yeah, buzzer they made, beaters. A, they made a late run because they didn't know if they were going to make it last year. But regardless, Villanova is a, to Alabama is a huge drop off um, program wise. And I just remember Quinterly, he was talking so much shit about even Jay Wright. Even I don't know how you talk shit about Jay Wright, uh, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to get into it now when you have, you know, the top four teams all going against each other. It's, it's definitely exciting and it, it feels a little early, but at the same time, if there was a time to really get into it, it's, it, it's once conference play starts in like de- late December, early January, that's, that's the time if you really need to be invested by, um, yeah. and now, you know, it's nice to get a good look at some of the young guys, young, some of the freshmen, um, you know, but it, it's, you know, they're going to have some, there's going to be some good games, you know, uh, those that match, you know, have good strength of schedule outside of the conference, but a lot of, a lot of play teams don't. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the two games were great. Obviously I fell asleep for the, for the later, but the Duke Kansas game, I, I can't believe Kansas had 28 turnovers and they were down a point with 30 seconds to go. Um, I don't know if that's a great sign for their talent, I don't, or I don't know if it's showing Duke really didn't shoot the ball well and they have some challenges. Because if Kansas, I mean, if Kansas doesn't turn it over, they turn it over twenty four times, they win that game. Um, you know, and what's his name? As Azabuki made the terrible turnover at the end, and and White, who was a scrub last year for Duke, uh, picked it off from him. So um, that was a very costly turnover that sealed the fate of the game. And, uh, but it was, I mean, it, it, it was a really exciting game. Um, and I don't know, it's, I mean, you, and you, you even got guys like Trey Jones, who was kind of forgotten last year. Now he's going to be taking a bigger role for a team like Duke. Um, now he's not overshadowed by the big three, or even though it was a big two, because, um, Bradish really didn't do much last year. But so now, now he's going to be a, a, a focal point of the offense, um, and always defensively, so. This, we'll see uh, how he blends in with the other rookies. I was watching them last night. It's like it's kind of a old school Duke team in the sense like they really only got one guy, maybe two, that could go one and done. Like Cassius, Cassius Stanley isn't even projected to get drafted right now, and he was like a top recruit. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's like he he's they know he's not going to leave or something, but like reputable draft sites don't have him on their mock drafts, and they have Vernon Carey going like mid mid like mid teens to early 20s um so it's not the same duke, you know duke 
they walked into last season with the top th- projected one, two, and three overall picks in the NBA draft. Yeah. And two of those came to fruition, but it's not like Reddish was, ter- you know, so bad. He went, what did he go, eighth or something to Atlanta? Eighth yeah, he eighth, went eighth, eighth to Atlanta. So, um, where did they lose last year? Did they lose in the Elite Eight? Yes. Yes, they lost in the Elite Eight because they didn't make the Final Four. They lost to Michigan State. Oh, was that Sweet 16? I'm trying to think. I think Sweet 16 was when they played UCF. It was that great game yeah. against UCF that they won. No, 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 no. That was that was that was uh, 32 because UCF was an eight or nine seed and they were a one. Okay, then that makes sense. So, so that uh, Michigan State last year, I'm trying to think what seed they were, but I think you're right. I think it, I think it was um, a lead eight because because Michigan State was a was a two or a three. Yeah, that would make sense. They weren't. They oh the. Was it? And they played Vatek too. Maybe they did beat Vatek. Because Vatek was a four, I believe. They did. No, they they did beat Vatek. They lost to they lost to Michigan State. From what I recall. But that would make sense if Vatek was a four, then they would match up with them in a one. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. I'm just. I don't know. There's so many games on March Madness. It's like, it's hard to keep track. It's it's insane, but that's why it's the madness. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be as an exciting college basketball season as ever. Um, oh, they lost to Kansas in the Elite Eight. Uh, they didn't play Michigan. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, but, it's, it's also a wide open year. Like, there's there's a, really a lot of teams that could that could win the win the title this year. I mean, like Duke obviously didn't come to fruition last year, but like. From the get go, they were the favorites pretty much throughout the year. They were heavy. They were heavy favorites, and a lot of years when there are heavy favorites, the heavy favorite doesn't win though. Yeah. Even like with Kentucky, with um the undefeated team with Anthony Davis, they didn't win. So it is always pretty. That was up Towns. To Towns is the undefeated what? year. Davis. Oh, Towns. Davis's Towns. team won the title. It's oh, that's yeah. Cal Power's only championship. Was but Anthony yeah, this Davis. this year it, it seems to be a deeper field, not as you know, not as dominant. Uh, freshman at the top, so we, you know, I mean, Villanova's a 10, they're always going to be in there, um, you know, Memphis, you know, you got to take Memphis seriously with you're saying with, um, Louisville's Wise. back to prominence this year too, they're fifth, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're fifth. Yeah. So, I mean, Gonzaga's always there, UNC, always formidable, Virginia's down at 11, they lost a lot of guys. Yeah, I don't we know get if to see Cole Anthony tonight. Um, for yeah, the UNC, so. he's he's supposed to be huge. What prospect was he? I think he was like three or four. Um, actually, let me. I'll tell you right now what he was. Have it up. Um, he was two. Ooh. It was uh James Wiseman one, Cole Anthony two, Isaiah Stewart three. The Center for Washington, Anthony Edwards four. He looked great too in his debut. Anthony Edwards for Georgia. What a get for Tom Crean there. I mean, that's why you bring him in. A guy like Crean is excellent recruiter, can turn around a program in two or three years. Like to get Anthony Edwards, like you know, a top five, number four overall recruit. That's far and away the biggest get for yeah, Georgia. I mean, Tom Crean, did, he did pretty well with um, Indiana, I thought. Yeah, and he was he was good at Marquette too. He brought in Wes Matthews, Jimmy Butler, Jay yeah, Crowder. Yeah, he got he got he got Oladipo um, at Indiana. He got uh, OG Ananobi or Ananobi. 
Um, was he Vonley the, too? And the Zellers? Yeah. Yeah. Vonley. Um, did you say the Zellers? Yeah. One of the Zellers was UNC. Yeah, that's Tyler's. Uh, yeah, Cody Zeller. Sorry. Cody Zeller. Where did, I'm not sure where he Cody went, Zeller. He, no, he went to Indiana. I'm just trying to remember. Oh, you're if right. He Crean, did. Yeah. Crean yeah, was, there, was there or not when he got him. Yeah, and but, Arizona too is another team that you got to watch out for. They they got it. I think they're the number six recruiting class in the nation this year. They had the eighth and ninth recruit. There, there's a lot, a lot of teams. Last year they were so disappointing. Yeah, they didn't even make the tourney. They weren't even close. Yeah, well they, they had a tumultuous year. Yeah, it was really, uh, really terrible. I mean, and and you know, the year before they had, you know. Arizona and DeAndre Aiden losing to losing to Buffalo, so it was that was it, bad. That busted so. Many I, I was I was I was on suicide watch after that. I had them in my final four. Yeah, that was rough. That was that was real bad. I mean, people. I mean, everyone's so mad. Like Aiden, he's not gonna get drafted now. Like fuck this. Not gonna get drafted. Still went one. I mean, I was I I was definitely I was pissed at him and. A lot of people. I mean, and and it's funny. I mean, you, uh, I mean, Alonzo Trier. He's he's carving an, a, a nice role for himself on the Knicks. Yeah, so I mean, to go those guys are, You know, it's good. a shame Aiton had to be doing whatever the fuck he was doing, diluting his pee. But he was. He's been. He had a great rookie year. So these guys are turning out to be good NBA prospects. They just. Well, Arizona's always been a school that really turned out pretty solid NBA prospects in, in comparison to other schools. I would say they're a McConnell's top... from there. Yeah, I would say they're a top 10 program in, in in the country in terms of churning out NBA talent. Yeah, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's from there. Yeah, because, I mean, like, Duke, we know that them, them as that now, but you fast, you rewind like six, seven years, Duke... North Duke Carolina. was not yeah before Kyrie Irving. Duke was not a producer of NBA talent. You could count on one hand the number of NBA All Stars Duke had produced before that. It was always guys like uh like Shane Battier. Yeah, I mean Elton Brand, Grant Hill, Carlos Boozer. Yeah, nice I'm, players. I'm honestly trying to name a third before Kyrie. I mean a fourth. I got, you know, it's late, not like Leitner or Hurley never made it. Jay Williams, I mean, obviously you have some bad luck with Hurley and Williams' injuries, but, like, there's plenty of great players that went through Duke that did not amount to anything of note in the NBA. And that mm-hmm. was just complete opposite of North Carolina. North Carolina was churned out. You know, their middle-tier players were Antoine Jameson and, you know, Jerry Stackhouse. But, no. I digress, and we uh, we move on to a little bit of baseball talk with uh, your boys in Queens, the New York Mets, getting right to it and hiring a new manager following the, the kind of trend in baseball of going a little younger with the, the former player who can identify with the with the current guys. Um, you know, you see, obviously, Boone with the Yankees, success there, uh, Gabe Kapler, didn't work out in Philly, but uh, Craig Council in uh, Milwaukee is doing well. Uh, it's becoming Cora. yeah, Cora. Uh, yep, it's uh, it's becoming a, a little bit of a trend. Uh, so I don't blame the Mets for kind of hopping on this bandwagon. Um, how do you feel about the hire overall? Um, overall on my list, he was probably no higher than third, and probably no lower than fourth or fifth. 
Um, my list probably would have consisted of um, Girardi, um, Showalter, and um, who's the other one? There may have been there may have been one other guy. Was, who else was? Oh, and Madden, obviously Madden, but yeah. that was never realistic for them. Um, so, you know, he was probably fourth, but um, out of the guys that it was narrowed down to, he was easily my first. I mean. Um, you know, we had uh, Bogar on the on the Nats. I don't know anything about him. He's you know the first base coach or whatever, a third base coach. Um, we have Eduardo Perez, who um, his his WAR as a professional major league baseball player was literally one game or below one game. Um, you know, you know his dad was obviously a terrific player, nice guy, um, ESPN analyst. But I mean, I I, I don't know. Yeah. He just yeah, seems like you're not like, getting excited about that. No, I'm not getting excited. He seems like a nice guy. He handled it classy, and he was very happy for Beltron. But all the candidates, it's like you know, one of them's in house, like the guy from AAA. Like, yeah, that's exciting. Like, come on, come on now. Like, uh, like someone in house in the Mets. Like, uh, we don't produce in good in house players, other than other than. And this you guys, one. oh, you guys fired the single A coach after he won the championship. Yeah. So I, so I was very happy with Baltron. I was very pumped. There, it was looking like it was Eduardo Perez for a while. Um, I don't even know if he would have gotten respect in the clubhouse. So uh, Baltron's a guy. He's been there. He's done it. Had some great years. Had some great successes. Had some had some big failures. That curveball to Wayne rate. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit of sort of redemption with Beltron. I mean, he, he was a, he was a legitimate five tool player at his best. He was a five tool player. Um, Switch a, hitting you know, five tool player, mind you. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he can help help these guys and you know some of these guys convert into the outfield. Their outfield outfield defense because he's a terrific outfielder. Um, wasn't the fastest guy, but played center. So I don't know if we're going to be converting Conforto there full time or Nimmo. If we have to, maybe he can be an asset there. So um, another big thing I like is that he's bilingual. Um, it's a very important skill today. I wish I had <laughs> in the teaching world, but. Especially with you know how many Dominican, Puerto Rican, Hispanic players, especially on the Mets, whether it's Rosario or Familia or Cano or Diaz, um, you know, there's a couple more. We have we have a bunch of them. Lagaris probably isn't going to come back anymore. But we have some. We have a bunch of them, and as does most of the league. So it's really good to you know break that barrier. You don't need a convert or whatever. He can he he can convert. Although he doesn't sound like he's a great, great with English, he can con- convert, converse very well, you know, in both. Good enough to, you know, understand and communicate both ways to both, both languages. So, um, you know, that's only good for the clubhouse. I think it's only, it's only gonna help communication uh, somewhere where Mickey definitely lacked. Um, tired of his old same BS. We battled, we grinded. Like I don't know, Beltron. You know, he's gonna be a straight shooter. He's gonna want to win. He's passionate. Um, Smart guy. Everything I hear from Yankee fans says he was a really good advisor for Cashman. Very smart. Um, smart player. You know, he's going to – he'll have some struggles, but that's why I think the bench coach is going to be so important. We're going to need a veteran. We're going to need someone. Hopefully that's managed before. Um, I'd love Terry Collins in that role. Yeah. Some people say, why you – what? I, th- I think, uh, just to piggyback, I think he's regarded in the same, like, or as A-Rod in terms of, like, a knowledge, understanding of the game standpoint in terms of how he's respected and, and thought of. Like, everyone yeah, says... Yeah, not as cocky. Yeah, exactly. But everyone says, you know, A-Rod's baseball knowledge is, like, unmatched, and I, I think yeah. they, they feel similarly about uh, Beltron. Yeah. 
I mean, I clearly mean, the Yankees, they, they moved him into the role that A-Rod had. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, Cashman's a smart guy, too. So, I mean, if he, he's, you know, was he the right-hand man? Is that what he was? or just I don't, know. Of, I don't uh, know if he was necessarily a right-hand man, but um, he was certainly in on discussions and advising, you know. I'm sure he was in on, you know, scouting and trade talks and, and Yeah, so, you know, I mean... Kind of a jack of all guy. He's he, he's a Met too. I've always wanted a Met. A couple years ago, I know I wanted um. I wanted what's his name before we uh, blackballed him. Wally Wally Backman. Well, I wanted some '86 Mets action. Uh, a little bit of craziness, bring it back. Uh, <laughs> something you know, just bring some fire. But you know, Beltron's a guy that's doesn't bring the same type of fire, but he is passionate. He is a Met. You know, he knows what it's like to be. He's worked with these guys. He knows how the Wilt Bonds are. So he knows these aren't going to be new issues. Oh, what do you mean we can't swear? You know, this. He knows, you know, he's good relationships with, obviously, David Wright. Um, but, like, we can't have someone like David Wright as the as the, as the the bench coach. We need someone that's a longtime bench coach, third base, whatever, managerial experience. We need someone that can... So make sure these little blunders the Mets always have don't happen, whether it's the lineup, whether it's, you know, whether it's accidentally batting Steven Matz and then bringing him out, taking him out for another reliever in the next inning. Those blunders that are that are just haunt the Mets constantly under Mickey Callaway cannot happen. Um, That's why we need a good veteran. I mean, that's why they said they brought in what's his name, the bench coach, um, Mickey's bench coach. I forgot. You never even heard from him. He didn't do shit. So and he was he was a respected veteran, but. He was the guy from the Reds. I'm trying to think his name, but that's how that's how little he did. So, I mean, it doesn't look like Terry Collins wants to do that again, unfortunately. But hopefully, they get someone good, and uh, I approve of the hire. Someone gotta tell me what a first base coach does. What's their job? What do they tell? Well, like honestly, like uh, they're not relaying signs. You you tell me you got a guy there to pick up. Well, the first the first thing he does is he gives them a, a, a pound or a high five. So he does that. He he gives some positive reinforcement. But I think um, in today's age, I think a base stealing is his number one. Um, a lot of times they have like the watch or whatever. They have the they have the thing or they have the thing so they're keeping track of um, how many ticks or whatever it takes for the guy to go home. So. I think they're relaying that to, um, you know, the the base runner at first, and you know, trying to help him pick up. Basically, tell him, you know, in addition of if it's a good idea to steal or not. So I, I mean, that's a pretty much it. To me, is you know, stealing, stealing towards second. Yeah, I mean, because you're not telling anyone where to go. Like you're not telling if you like. I don't need you <laughs> to, to go t- or not. Yeah, I don't need you to tell you me if I should to go. go go to or not. Like because I can, I'm looking at the ball. Um, so I just, I don't know. I had that realization there. I was like, what the fuck do these dudes do? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they just, they just, they just help with, you know, picking up on a read or, you know, if he can see something like Noah Syndergaard's easy to know when he's going home. And, you know, if he, if he does this or he does that, you know, go home immediately. If he looks over twice, whatever, little things like that, I guess. But that's I, mean, a, I mean, let me tell you, that's a hell of a fucking gig. Yeah, I, I never. Because like, you know they make six figures. They're not paying first major league first base coaches, you know, seventy five k a year. That motherfucker's yeah. making like two hundred grand, and he's he's doing a, in a year of actual work probably like ten hours 
in a season <laughs> of actual work. Well, the actual work, I think, I think, because it's like moving up in a company. Um, the actual work is beforehand because obviously you need to be an actual coach in order to to be on the team. So you need to be a, the fielding coach, the hitting coach, something of some sort of expertise um, in order to get in that position. Like, like I feel like I could do a good job managing. Um, I feel like I could do a good job managing a team, but I can't coach baseball. I can't coach baseball on a high school level. I don't think I don't have the fundamentals. Um, like I can point out what people are doing, but I don't have the specific fundamentals. I wasn't a good baseball player. I couldn't tell you what you know specifically hitting what you're doing wrong, fielding. Yeah, put the glove down. Like, but you know, I think I can manage. But you can't just say, "Oh, I can manage." That's yeah. not how it works. You got to work your way up in in you know in baseball. Um, like someone like Mickey, he was a pitching coach, had a lot of success with the Indians. So I figured, young mind, give him a call, give him you know, let's give him a shot. And he was terrible at it. So it doesn't always correlate from position from this coach to that coach or, you know, so, um, and then third base coach is obviously a very important role of sending him or not sending because the play's behind him. Yeah. No, um, I, I, yeah. Saying. Third base is obvious, but yeah, first base, what yeah. A, that's a hell of a gig, man. Um, all right, moving on. We'll, uh, touch a little bit on NBA right now and, uh, an issue that's keeps coming up. Uh, it's, I feel like the conversation has intensified over the last couple of years as it's become more and more prevalent, but load management, um, yeah, we're talking about it. We got Kawhi Leonard sitting out his second nationally televised game this year already, and we are, what, seven, eight games into the season? It's their eighth game, and yeah. he will have played six after tonight, six of the eight, so 75%. I mean, it's it's such a fine line to me because it's like, sure, you you could probably argue that, like, nagging injuries are there and, like, Kawhi, like, Kawhi legitimately wasn't healthy, like, by the time they were in the NBA Finals last year, and it, it just, like, at some point, it's it's needed, like, I guess in certain spots, but, like, to to almost have a plan for it, and they, they're, like, telling you he's gonna sit out, it's like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, it's not like he's, he's warming up, he doesn't feel good, the groin, it's not like, you know, the groin or the knee isn't good today, I'm gonna... You know, I'm going to sit out. Okay, kind of sucks for betting people, but, you know, it's something last second, whatever. But um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so early on. This isn't a this isn't the back end of a back-to-back uh, in the middle of, you know, March when you're getting ready for the playoffs or February and it starts to get grueling on you. I mean, this is, you know, this is the eighth game. You know, you should be fine. And, and you know, the, it's hard to get mad at Kawhi because it works. They won the championship last year. He did the shit last year. That, yeah, they knew only, that was the catch twenty two. We needed, we needed to bow to Kawhi. He only played what sixty games last do. year. What? He only played sixty games last year. Yeah, that's right on pace for what he is right now. That's a, a hair below seventy five percent. So, that's you know, that's probably what he's going to play this year. Probably 60, 62, six, anywhere sixty to sixty four games this year. He'll play. I bet. So, it's hard to get upset with Kawhi, but then again, it's like. Kawhi doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. Like he's not like into social media. He's not into this stuff. He doesn't care about what people think of him. But it, and it's like you do want him to care, because um, you know you're on primetime television. You're playing the Bucks. Like you had the the playoff series with them last year. Um, and it's like you want to see these guys go head to head. Like I, I, I'm fighting, staying awake. Like I'm not gonna be fighting to stay awake tonight when when I, to see these two teams because I know Kawhi isn't gonna be playing. 
and it just yeah. it just diminishes the value. It's obviously terrible if you have, if you bought tickets to the game. You know, you know whether you're a kid or you're an adult, it sucks. But uh, my beef is with Adam Silver, a guy who's done an amazing job. But I gotta get on I, I gotta get on him because two years ago or in the last year or two, he said it was the biggest issue, and he said that we're gonna handle this and we're gonna you know try to get rid of load management. Okay, cool, motherfucker, Silver, you're approving this. He literally, you're literally saying he's the one that's approving and saying this is okay, like that he's injured enough. You can't be fined four to five days and be injured and four or five more days to get injured. Okay, but if you do that 20 times in a row and it's and it's cyclical, that's not an injury. That's not that's yeah. not an injury. That's literally load management. That's what he did last year. You can't say you're, it's your biggest issue and we, we, we're trying to solve the problem and we have a good solution and then let this slide. It's got to be it's got to be on Adam Silver to say you can't do this or you can't do it on primetime games at least or maybe there's certain games you can't do it on. If so, you're fined because it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, a few games here and there. It's hard when you get technical with it. How many games can you take off? And then he's gonna, then it's going to be a fake injury. So Yeah, exactly. And that's the line. I mean, it's – listen, I think I'm with you. I think it's happening too much. And, like, there is a thing, like, for all the people that are, like, in full support of it, like, my two arguments are, like, one, as a player, like – you can. There's people that have that uh, that don't agree with my view, but my view is what I'm about to say is a fact. Like you do owe it to the fans. One because, like you said, some a lot of teams you only get to see that team once. Imagine you're a a, a Clippers fan living in New York. The Clippers come to New York once the whole year. They come to play at MSG one time all year. If Kawhi decides to sit out that night, you spend a million dollars going to see Kawhi, your favorite player at MSG, and he doesn't play, and he just decides to sit out. Like you owe that to the fans to be there, and the same goes for as, as crappy as people will think this is. The same goes for advertisers and and TV, you know, stations because they all of this is everyone's a piece of the the chain. If one there's one chink in the chain, it ruins the whole thing. Media, the players play, and the players can play and get paid what they get paid because people are watching on TV, and people can and TV can afford to pay and support those salaries, which come a lot from TV money, because people are watching, and people are watching because the media is covering it and putting out content around it and amplifying the game. It's a full circle ecosystem that one is not any more important than the other. LeBron James is great. If there was not a single coverage or televised game in the NBA, there was no sports writers, no talk shows, no no nothing but tickets to the game, no TV shows about it. Guess what? LeBron's making like 50 grand a year. And that's just the way it is. Like you need the media. You need the advertisers. They pay your salary. You need the fans. They pay your salary. You need the media to amplify it, to sell jerseys, to sell TV rights, to sell everything. If you don't have the interest in the game, you're nothing more than a dude playing at the YMCA. You're just the best of the dudes playing at the YMCA. And that's the that's a fact. You play a kid's game for a living. You play kids or not, you play a game for a living that is an entertainment product. If you can't drive, if you can't be part of the solution to help drive the the value of the entertainment, 
then you're not valuable at all. You have a false sense of value because of the pedestal you've been put on. But at the end of the day, you don't create anything. Like so many people in this world, you're an entertainment value. When a fucking movie flops at the box office, guess what? The studio loses a shit ton of money. Like, and that's how it works. Then they don't work with you or they don't make a movie similar to that. Like it, it, there's consequences. And the players aren't suffering any of these consequences while every other chink in the chain is. The advertisers are taking a hit. The TV's taking a hit. The fans are taking a hit. Everyone's taking a hit except the players. And they think just because they're the talent on the field or on the court that it, they can do whatever they want. But if anyone else, if they were on doing, they were performing 82 games a night and the advertisers and the TV companies all of a sudden said, you know what, we're not going to pay to televise your games. We don't, we don't feel like sponsoring it. We don't feel like putting it on TV. You guys just, you'll make money off ticket sales. No big deal. And concessions in the thing. You see how that works out. And then guess what? The NBA salary cap is fucking $4 million next year. And Kawhi's making 600K. And LeBron's making 600K. Yeah. Like, that's that's the fact of the matter. It's a fact. It's not any. It's not an arguable point. Yeah, and, and the problem is there's there's no there's no there's no consequences for the players right now. Exactly. So, so I mean I mean there's there's consequences for for media. Yeah, they're trying to hold refs accountable. Um, you know, in in, in basketball, the two minute report, whatever, it's something. Um, you know, coaches obviously get fired, but you know this, and, and it's mainly the stars because they're they're the people that you pay to see they're the people that move the needle for gambling they're the people that that you know are are, cru- are crucial it's a star driven league the media does a great job of of uh advertising these stars like better than any other sport like adam silver wants it to be a player central league and it is and he does a great job at that but they're getting too much power ramona shelbourne was saying how she needs to wait 90 minutes after for Kawhi to get his treatment whatever that means um you know, to to interview him after the game, and she's like, "That's against the rules," but he's allowed to do it. And she's like, "She's like, apparently that's not within the time. You have to make yourself available to the media within whatever thirty, sixty minutes." And he doesn't, and there's no consequence. And I mean, I don't think that's right. I mean, they're growing too, and I like Kawhi, but I mean, they're they're growing too powerful, and they're being able to do whatever they want. I mean, look how Kawhi got out of San Antonio. Sure, they mishandled it, but. Toronto had to bow to him to basically just do whatever he wants to have him a better chance to stay. Thankfully, they won the championship. But guess what? He didn't stay, and they did everything. They did yeah. everything, to, everything in their power. They said, "Here's here's the playbook." He said, "You know, he said we'll trade for who you want. Probably we how many games you want to play." And he still left. So I don't know. I I, I think I, this needs to be some way. Maybe it's finding. I don't know. May, I think it might be finding. Honestly, I mean, make it hurt. They yeah. can hurt in their pockets. Here's a hundred k. Okay, well, maybe that's not a lot, but maybe maybe it's two hundred k next time. All right, yeah, then that's starts adding up. A hundred k is a hundred k. Like I know these guys yeah, make it's, twenty it's, million, it's but it's like a hundred k is a hundred k. And when they they see that coming, I mean, look, you think about NFL people get pissed at you know five thousand, ten thousand dollar fines. They're yeah, ready to Jamal, kill someone. Jamal Adams like arguing twenty five thousand dollar fine. I mean, maybe and he doesn't make as much. But let's say you 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 sit out twenty games or whatever, and like you get fined. For I don't know, let's say let's say twelve of them for load management. Let's say twelve of them. That's one point two mil. Yeah, you don't want to be losing one point two mil. I don't care who you are. So, um, and it's, it's such like a you know I agree with you. It's such a fine line because like if you go to that and you say like 
okay, it's fine if you, like, sit out for load management and, but, like, then they'll just show, like, you have to show, like, medical records or something. Like, they'll just show, like, every player's got some bruised ankle or, you know, cut cut on their knee or, like, it's just part of the schedule. It's part of the thing. Like, no one's 100% past, like, the first two weeks of the season. Just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Like, so you can always come up with some bullshit. And that's what it was, that was happening for five or six years. Like, oh, he's got, he's got back soreness. Like, yeah, so does everyone. They played, he's got tendonitis. Yeah, they, they played two days ago. Like, I play, I'm sore the next day. Like, it's, you know, obviously these guys are in way better shape than any of us will ever be again. But it's just the, you can always think of something. Mm -hmm. And, but I agree. Like, it's got to start hurting them in their pockets because the players are the only ones that don't, get hurt and they don't take any responsibility for it people want to talk about oh they get they get ostracized and they get you know shit on it's like good like how much that's the least they can just get is a little criticism yeah, we, got, we got motherfuckers making max contracts 30 million who are average players yeah now hey, well the sport league has that i mean you think you i give a fuck uh, about harrison barnes complaining because yeah, he's getting ostracized is like like mike moustakis in baseball making six million and he's like an all-star player yeah it's, you know, it's ridiculous. I, I, I mean, baseball's not even the best example because they make a lot of money, but they're cracking down like, like it's, you know, so it, it's it, it's crazy. And the other thing is it devalues the regular season, which I hate because I love the basketball regular season and it's exciting and there's a lot of fun competitions and races. But you know, there's always you know the James Harden stuff and whatever, and then and then it turns out it's for naught because he doesn't do it in the postseason and all these things and the triple doubles. It never matters to the postseason. The the less. The more things that say the regular season doesn't happen, the more v- viewership's going to go down, the more people are going to be hurt eventually from it. And it's just, why not want to have an exciting regular season? Make yeah. it as exciting as possible. So I totally agree. It's it, it's just, it, it's annoying. I mean, it's a great league. It's doing, they do a lot of good things, but I mean, that's an issue. Silver needs to revisit. Yeah, so. I agree, agree there. Um, But let's, uh, let's close out this episode with uh, our Bleacher Bets picks for uh week 10 in the nfl um shaboy went two and two last week again i think for like the third straight week um and uh i don't remember i had lost on browns packers and had one on seattle and the over in giants cowboys um and I don't know what Tommy did last week. I forget. I don't have his picks on me. He he, he did go three and one. He did under Bills Redskins. Okay. Um, he did uh oh uh the Cardinals with the points, which I did like plus nine and a half. They lost by three. Those were two of his wins. He he took the Patriots minus three and a half. Whatever they got killed, and then he took the. One more. I have it right here. And then, oh, and then he took the Bills minus nine and a half as well, which was a good pick. So you went three and one. Um, I think his first winning week in a while. So that's good to see. Um, getting back on. And then I, I went two and two. I took the Texans minus two. Um, I took the under for the first time for me, didn't hit Panthers-Titans. That went pretty wet, way over. Um, I took, oh, we all took the Browns. I mean, we both took the Browns, I believe. Yeah, Browns. Minus three and a half. That that was a big flop, crazy, terrible. Um, I took the Ravens with the points, so um, 
little ballsy pick, and they and they easily covered for me. So two and two. So we're on to Cincinnati. All right. So what do you got? Uh, what do you got for this week? Or wait, let's go with let's go with Tommy's picks first. He 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 sent them over to us. Um, so Tommy's picks this week are, are Bills plus two and a half, Rams minus three point five, Vikings plus three, and the over forty seven in Seahawks forty niners. So what do you, those are Tommy's picks? What do you got? Don't I, I do I do like them. Um, so first pick, I'm gonna go big spread. I'm gonna go Saints minus thirteen and a half. Um, they covered I think their last three or four games against the Falcons. Falcons defense is 29th. Uh, Saints coming off a bye, getting Kamara back. Uh, you know they got Drew Brees back. He didn't even I thought he'd have a little rust. No rust. Matt Ryan should play, but somehow he doesn't play. It's even more of a lock. Um, he's playing. They got to, he's playing. He's playing. Yeah, they yeah. got they got to win Talk by two. To, spoke to my Falcon source today. He's he's all go. Gotcha. So I mean, two touchdowns at home, coming off a bye. Um, they covered both times last year when they played them. I think they won by over fourteen last year when the Falcons were much better at seven and nine, and now they're they're a one and seven team. They seem like such a, a talented one and seven team, but I mean. You are what your record says. They're one and I mean, seven. They have you know, a people, defense. People had them winning the division this year. And here's the crazy staff. Half of their points are in the fourth quarter. They're scoring all these garbage points, 80 of the 160 points. So maybe I could could lose on that, but I, I'm seeing a blowout. It's a good survivor pick, two Saints. Um, second pick, I really like this a lot. Seahawks plus six against the Niners on the road. Oh, man, it feels like a trap because – Plus six with them with Russell Wilson. I mean, you could be down thirteen. You could be down like ten or thirteen or whatever thirteen, and Russell Wilson can just bring you back with a a late score. I mean, I think they win the game. I like the money line there too. So definitely like that one. That's my second one, and my third one is where was it? I just had it. the The, the Giants are definitely tempting, but. I'm going to take the – I take this team a lot. I didn't last week. I'll take the Cardinals plus four and a half against the Bucks on the road. The Cardinals almost beat the Niners, arguably should have. Um, some mistakes early um, fall, fell behind. But the Cardinals are a talented team. They're 3-5-1, and one, but they're better than their record shows, I think. Um, Murray is amazing. Uh, and, and with the Bucks, uh, you know, Winston's, you know, inconsistent. He had a good week last week. He might turn it over a lot this week. So if he has a bad week, they're going to lose no matter what. And four and a half is a, you know, these teams are on a similar level. I think the Cardinals might even be better than the Bucks, to be honest. I think they are. Yeah. So, and, and, and they're getting four and a half, which means on the road, they think the Bucks are a point and a half better. I disagree with that. So those are my three there. And then for the over-under, I'm going with... The I'm gonna go over. This is also over. Over. I'm going over for once. I'm going over 52 in Bucks Cardinals. Um, they both are pretty bad defenses. Really bad, actually. And both quarterbacks can score and put up points. The turnovers can lead to points. Winston getting fumbled. He doing his fumble ruski. Lead to a defensive score. Good field position. Give me over 52. I mean, I never do the over. It's too short to bet the under. 
Um, I like those. I got a couple of overlaps with you there. Um, the two overlaps I have are Cardinals plus four and a half. I agree with everything you said. Um, the Cardinals are a team. They, they've just won games they're supposed to win this year. And they've almost, you know, like against the Niners, they've almost caught a couple of that they shouldn't have won. Um, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray's been, he's been low-key really good, especially from a fantasy standpoint. I think he had, he, he ended up with 23 fantasy points against the against the Niners. And he's yeah. averaging eighth, eight, 18.5 on the year, something like that. Which I, think, I, I love Murray. I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah, he's eighth or ninth quarterback in, in fantasy yeah. right now. Uh, so I really, I, I like that. I, same thing as you. I think they're a better team than the Bucks. Uh, I also love Seahawks plus six. Yeah, Yeah, you knew that was coming. Uh, I'm still not sold completely on the Niners. Their defense is unreal, but like if anyone, it's just Jimmy G. I mean, if anyone's gonna topple them, it's 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 West, it's uh, Wilson and and the Seahawks. They've looked great uh, of late, and to give me six points like in a division game too, it's not like they have to travel far. It's the closest team to them. Uh, There'll probably be a bunch of Seahawks fans in the house. So I, I love that one. Then the two I have differently went with the Browns last week, and I'm so fucking done with that team. I'm taking the Bills plus two and a half until the ba- the Browns can prove they're a legitimate NFL team. Um, I, I just it, it, I don't it's a good see pick. It. I don't Look, see looks it. Like it. It's like could it be a trap? I don't know. It's just like you think the Bills are a lot better, but maybe the Bills aren't a good match. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the too. Bills' defense is is it's top. So good. It's a top five or six defense in the NFL, at least top three. Yeah, yeah exactly. Especially so. against the pass, and that's where Cleveland has struggled most this year. So, sure, let, let's get Nick Chubb running for 100 yards and Baker Mayfield throwing for 12 yards. Uh, yeah, Bills plus two and a half until the Browns can do be at least look like they belong on the field. Then I'm I'm betting against them every week. Uh, and then my over under, I'm going. Saints Falcons over fifty one, another high over on the week. Matt Ryan's coming back. Uh, he's going to be in playing in a dome. He loves playing in domes. Uh, these games are always seem to turn into shootouts. The over under fifty one tells you right right there that they expect it to be a shootout. I th- I agree with you. I th- think the Saints might cover still, but you know, might be forty one. Yeah, exactly. Forty one to fourteen. Yeah. Exactly. It could be. I could see a forty-one twenty-one game. You know. Yeah. So uh, I I love that over. I think Matt Ryan's going to come back and have a real solid yeah, week right. this week. Uh, he was apparently set to go play last week. If they had if they had a game, he would have played. But they had the bye, so you can almost uh, put it in a sharpie that Matt Ryan will be back this week, and hopefully, you know, that coming off a bye, they can they can get their shit in order a little bit and at least put up some some points against the Falcons. So. Cardinals four and a half. Bills. You're so upset with Falcons this year. I'm so upset. I mean, I'm not. It's just like they're so much better than that. They're not a one in uh, who, one in seven. Who do you blame? Player. I know who I blame. Dan Quinn. He's a yeah. defensive coach, and their defense He's a defensive is coach. absolutely they terrible. Def- defend, defender. They get they get all their guys back minus Poole, who's on the Jets, and and they're just 29th. They get worse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's on the chopping block. I mean, he. I mean, there's certain coaches. Who I think we know are gone after this year, and he's definitely one of them. Do you think Gase is going to lose his job after this year? If he doesn't, it's just so the Jets don't look stupid. If that sounds what? like where, I, yeah, where's the number that he needs to get to where you could say, all right, his job's safe. They're not going to fire him this year. Five wins. Five wins. Yeah. If he's three or lower, if he's three or lower, I think he's gone. Yeah. 
I agree. And people don't people because they want have to. had some injuries. Like uh, realistically, coming into this year, the Jets' best case scenario was what eight and eight. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's it, you know, we thought going in the over under was seven or seven and a half, and the under's going way under. So I mean, it could have been nine. I thought. I thought yeah, nine I mean, was it's not impossible, but like it's not like we, have a ton of, we got a ton of easy games that if we were a decent team we could have won. Whether it's the Giants, the Bengals, uh, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins twice. Yeah, um, you know the Bills are even winnable in our division. Yeah, agreed. So. Um, but I think that's like a major point against Gase. Like injuries or not, you should be beating the Dolphins. You should be. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I supported him because the Manning supported him and shit and. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much. Although Bill Belichick did go two and eight in his first year coaching, um, but this isn't his first year coaching. With two and eight, first year with the Pats though, Belichick. Interesting, but I, I don't see it getting much better. The Jets don't build from the line inside the, from the offensive line, and it burns them. And then obviously Freddie Kitchens is going to be bye bye. Yeah, he's he's gone. He's not ready to be an NFL head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if we've been more right on something than than Freddie Kitchens not being ready. I don't I don't know how this was a shock to anyone, but I mean, handling is, the personalities, which is weird because John Dorsey's a great GM. Historically, you know, like maybe he obviously he didn't he didn't pull all the right triggers this this off season, but he's got a re- he's got a good resume, you know. Yeah, he does, but um. I don't know. I think McCarthy really should have gotten that job. Yeah, I, I think I think they didn't like they didn't like McCarthy and Mayfield together. They must have not liked that combo or something. Um, they got just, they fantasized with the end of the season with Kitchens, and they forgot to remember that they played a third string quarterback every fucking week on two and ten teams. Just Freddie Kitchens a year a year ago at this point, or a couple few games ago. He I think he was the offensive line coach. Yeah. So and then he became the offensive coordinator. But Greg Williams, they won all the games under Greg Williams. Yeah, I mean he would have been another good, another good choice. You know, at least so it, it, a little, little weird for me um, that they went with Freddie. I mean, and, and the thing is, OBJ has been a distraction, but he hasn't. He's done. He's done, done a bunch of weird, stupid shit that, like, with the watch and the cleats and this. But OBJ really hasn't said a lot of bad things after losses. No. So it's it, it could be worse. It really could be worse. It's just Baker yapping. Every I think week. like I think almost like having Landry like his best friend in the locker room to kind of be like Thompson. a sounding board of like they probably go home and just like sit on the couch with each other and like just vent. Yeah, just vent and like uh, if he's not saying it to Landry, he's saying it to the media. You know, like he's never had that probably in a locker room someone he trusts that much. Um, yeah, you know the Giants are a very like up-and-up organization, very, like, well-respected and how they run things, and they don't, like, they don't do shit like that, you know? They don't deal with stuff like that. It's, like, similar with the Steelers and the Packers, you know, all the old-time successful yeah. franchises. Did uh, they have traded OBJ? It, it sure would be nice to have a nice target for Daniel Jones. No, 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 I, me- I meant the Browns. Oh, uh, yeah, I think they have to this offseason. I think they have. It's... What do you like? Yeah, there's that. too many cooks in the kitchen. There, you got you got six guys that they need to throw to on on the outside, or well, and, on offense. And the thing is, the, the thing is though, Najoku's out. Then Najoku's out, so it's less guys. It's him and Landry mainly. I mean, and Chubb, and you know, when, and Hunt's gonna come back. But the thing is, they can't even. It's not. It's not like there's not enough to go around. It's they Baker can't get them the ball. 
Yeah, but I don't even, like, even with the offensive line issues, like, Odell's best route is a fucking slant. slant. Like, what do you, how, you need literally less than a second to run yeah, a, a three- or five-yard it, slant. It's, it's run crazy. it all day. Like, run fucking sl- double slants with him and that's Landry. How that's how he scored against the Jets. It was like an 80-yard slant, like. Yeah, give him the ball, like let him fucking guard. make a move. Guards. The guy's, the guy's, you know, arguably the best receiver in the NFL in the open field. Like, let him, let him go to work. You know, like I see screens and yeah, it's I mean whatever. Like okay, give me a couple screens. I see some running plays for him. I see a couple like throwbacks. But yeah, let's let's get something going vertical downfield. Uh, let's let's do a slant or, or yeah, that's that's he should be getting no less than four four slants a game. Yeah, four like throws on slants. He should be running way more than that many, and then and then and then working doubles off that. To the po to to the post. So I mean, look uh, at what D- Ed- Brady does with Edelman. Edelman wouldn't be in the NFL if he couldn't run the slant. Yeah, slants and comebacks and just all quick stuff. I mean, Edelman. I mean, I mean, OBJ's fast and he's quick as shit. Like you can you can do shorts. You can do f- five five hook hooks and ins and and have him take it 10 15 25 yards to the house even and another so, thing when you do that when you do that five times in a row when you run a, a five yard slant and a, and a, a 10 yard hook exactly then you fucking hit him deep hot route once uh, one you time deep. Now, now you, i mean you, you got double coverage on him uh, you got you got the safety back you know over the top and and, and you know they're just trying to go for home runs and even when it's open on that on that play on that fourth down play they don't even hit him they, uh, Baker had the one on one. He had him beat, and he doesn't even hit him. And that's where Odell's it's just like- Odell's a receiver. Like he's one of like six or seven receivers that when you see he's in single coverage, it doesn't matter what you were gonna run. You now change the play to get him the ball. Yeah, him, Antonio Brown, Julio, yeah, Hopkins, uh, Hopkins, uh, uh, yeah, Mike Michael Evans, Thomas. Mike Evans. Mike, yeah, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans. Those guys, you you got to find them in in single coverage. Oh, single coverage? Yeah, hot route. I'm throwing it 40 yards down the field. Go fucking get it. Yeah. I mean, it's just... And the thing is, Baker's... uh, Some of Baker's throws have been so bad. Like, he's made... He's made, like, more out of less with his throws. He's made. He's had some throws, like, behind him, and he's still made big plays for them. Like, his his positioning of the ball has been so bad, and I just... It doesn't make sense to me, because he was so accurate last year. Yeah, he was so accurate in college too. Like, I know. I mean, Colin thinks that the further rem- removed he gets from, um, what's his name, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. That's what he. That's his case. But then again, last year he wasn't had Lincoln Riley, and he was great. So I don't know what it is. Lincoln Riley's name is going to come up a lot this off season. I'll tell you. I know that. I know the Giants are interested in both him and Harbaugh. Uh, if if I was if I was the Browns, I mean, if I'm the Browns. Screw, screw. Uh, that's who I want if I'm the Browns. Yeah, I, if, if you know, you're not giving up on Baker Mayfield after this year. You are not after this year. You, 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 you had the first pick. You took him. Like it looked great. You got a down year. Whatever. You go get Lincoln Riley if you're the Browns and, and write this ship. And if I'm the Cowboys, fuck it. Get rink Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Get Garrett out of there. I agree. You can't like, and it, it's not even like Trubisky. Where Trubisky is done. He, his career yeah, in the NFL is, is they, done. They finally see it. They find some people didn't see it. The fantasy couch. He didn't even see it. He, 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 he thought he was a great fantasy quarterback. You and me were like, well, uh, we don't know what you see. A lot of people. I, I don't know if Mitch Trubisky. It was the looks. It was the muscles. It was the the speed. 
I, I don't know what it was, but they were mesmerized by Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Maybe it was the Bears' defense that mesmerized them because um, we just we just never saw it, and it just it, it, it never existed. Is what? Yeah, it, it, it was it never, it was never existed. There. It was never there. It existed one game against the Eagles when he threw for was it the Eagles when he threw for five touchdowns and four hundred something yards. That that was his one game. Yeah. No. Everything else was terrible. So. Yeah. All right, well, we'll have plenty of time to bash Trubisky for the rest of the year, but that'll be our episode for tonight, folks. Ladies and gents, have a wonderful evening, and we will see you next week.